Welcome to Milkmaid's Podcast. I'm Tara, your homesteader from Western Montana. And I'm Steph, a farmer from Western Wyoming, and we're your host of the Unconventional Homesteading Podcast. Hey, Tara, I missed your face. I miss your face. It's been so long. <laughs> Actually, we can't figure out how to do we this. We don't even know. <laughs> Like the amount of time that it just took us to start the conversation to actually start recording was a little embarrassing for only taking one week off. We're sorry. (laughs) Well, they, I mean, we're they don't know. Well, I guess they knew we're basically virgins now again. I'm sure. Whoops. Sure. Everybody's excited to relive that stage with us. (laughs) Record for the very first time. (laughs) God. Oh my gosh. Well, do you want to do why we weren't here last week? So. It's been really, really shitty for me, and it's still pretty shitty for me. No. So thank you for being patient. My cow got really sick. She had phosphorus issues, we found out, after she calved. And this is all because she's too fat. Like, when you see dairy cows, they their bones are showing for a reason. Right. So my cow is too fat. She had milk fever issues now she has ketosis and it's not like it's something that can be fixed easily so last was it last week mm-hmm. i thought she was going to die so stephanie's like you know what let's just not do it so that was yeah. nice because i'm the one editing <laughs> right you're and the one who has I, to do all the bulk of the work right so she's going through something right now i can't even milk it's pretty like serious it really upsets her anyway so thank you for your patience guys i really appreciate it and girls and friends so we're here now. <laughs> We've made it back, and we're made it back at the moment. Dixie's pretty stable. She is. Yeah. She actually is doing really good. Like last night, she really picked up eating. The only way to get out of ketosis, and I actually think she's dealing with fatty liver disease, which is a whole nother issue. But you treat it just like ketosis. You just have to feed and feed and feed them, and it's not protein. It's carbohydrates. You have to get into her all the time. Right. And so she was on shots. Like, she got three shots a day. I never thought I would be able to do that. I had to – it was just a situation. So I had to give her propylene glycol, like, four tubes of it a day. And she's still ketosis now. Like, I Mm -hmm. test her milk twice a day, and it's still popping up as lightly ketosis. So that's not, like, a death sentence, but I want her to get out of that before I start milking her again. If I can even milk her, like, they just stop producing as much if they're not taking out as much. So Right it's a huge bummer please make sure your cow is not too fat this needs a longer episode but as a quick blip for in the interim before we ever get around to it but if you are getting ready to calf with a cow that's a third calf or later look into milk fever and ketosis and things that you need to have on hand as preventatives or in case something does go wrong we'll just leave it there because yeah. we don't like it really needs a whole episode, but I'm sure you're so sick of talking about it <laughs> at this point. <laughs> the thing that's nice about it is I was prepared just because that's how I'm programmed. Yes. And if I were not, if I didn't have CMPK paste on hand, she would have died. Absolutely. So yeah. It's just lucky that I had enough forethought to buy all of these things. Otherwise, it would have not been good because nobody here has milk cows. Right. It's just me and this other guy who was super helpful, but he also wasn't aware of all of this either right so just be mindful of that and i don't want anybody else to go through this because even asking in like the keeping a family cow board nobody has helpful advice it's just that's how it is with cows is like nobody can tell you black or white this is what you do right so ruminating animals are hard they are hard they can be very hard so anyhow we'll get more into that as we get into our week but i felt like we should address it at the top so 
Anyways, it is May. We did announce that on... It's not May. (laughs) Oh, it is May. (laughs) I just let you come around to that one. (laughs) Wow. Every day feels like the same day to me. I am so sorry. I like how you just wanted to start a fight about that, though. (laughs) It's not May. Do you know why, though? No. On the outline, it still says April. So that has to be right. (laughs) I'm going by the outline. That's how we tell time, folks. (laughs) It's May. It's May. I apologize. Which doesn't really have anything to do with anything else other than it's May and we're going to do a shout out. (laughs) It explains so much of why I was researching and it kept popping up as May. So Weird. Wow. Weird. (laughs) It is May. Guess who we're shouting out this week? Who? This week, we are giving a well-deserved shout out to Kitazawa Seed Company based out of Oakland, California. They're so cool. I cannot wait to order from them. Did you know that their seed packets have never changed? The only thing that's changed is they took off the Japanese language on the front, but I believe there is still Japanese writing on it. Oh, wow. Yeah. So this guy that works there now was saying that he always thought seeds came that way. He always thought seeds had Japanese lettering on them, and he is Japanese, and he was saying that that was really special to him. So I thought that was really cool. The seed packets are this beautiful, like, manila color and then they have green writing on them and they're just so special to so many people and i love that they kept that tradition going oh absolutely fun fact i can't wait to get some kitazawa seed company was started in san jose california in 1917 by jiju kitazawa after he spent many years working for a seed company in japan and then he came to the americas at the time when he arrived here in 1917 to start his business there weren't a lot of varieties of veggies that appealed to Japanese people and their tradition, traditional cooking. So he worked really hard at cultivating these fruits and vegetables and also importing seeds from Japan in order to provide this service because there were a lot of families that wanted to cook traditionally and he found a way to provide for those people. He built a thriving business that supplies many Japanese American farmers still to this day. From 1942 to 1945, the Kitazawa family was forced into relocation camps due to World War II. And that is actually a really huge part of history that was left out when I went to high school. Did you ever learn about it, Stephanie? We did. Potentially my location had something to do with that. But it was, it was. I mean, even such, it was still just a blip. Yeah. You know? And there's a lot of history that I wasn't aware of until my older adult years. Mm-hmm. And it is a really really sad if you ever looked into it and how these families were basically forced into these camps. So the Kitazawa family just had to abandon their business, which is really, really awful and sad. But besides that, they were able to come back and started their company again in 1945. Many of their customers lost their land or had to move from where they were at. So he started shipping across the U.S. after that because his customers still wanted those veggies and those seeds from him. So that's when he started shipping across the U.S. I thought that was really neat and that he was able to provide that for those families that were relocated and that they had to move. Basically, a lot of the land was taken from them. Right. No, it's awesome. Yeah. Not that the land was taken from them. It's awesome that he was able to get them seeds. I said that at the worst time. Right. I knew exactly what you meant. But so they still kept in contact with him and he was able to provide that service. 
and that's great that they have such a special bond. Today, they offer over 500 seeds that can be grown in your backyard, or they even offer bulk seeds for commercially grown vegetables. And a lot of people are doing specialty vegetables like that. Kitazawa partners with other growers and seed providers, including Kristen Leach, who is a Korean American. She was adopted and she really found roots in providing food and she wanted to get in touch with her Korean background. So she started ordering seeds from Kitazawa Seed Company and she just started cultivating her own business from this and started selling to Kitazawa her specialty seeds. And I guess right when they get them in, they just fly off the shelves. I thought that was so amazing. Yeah, that's really cool. There is an excellent article about Kristen in the show notes. It's from the Atlas Obscura. Please, please, please check it out. It's just a really good read. It's short and it gives a good background of who you're buying from when you buy from companies like that. And the older I get, the more important it is for me to find genuine companies like this yep. because there are a lot of companies that are big name companies out there that are selling seeds saying these are heirloom quality. These are from certain areas and they're not benefiting anyone except those big companies. Yeah. So when you buy from some place like Kitazawa Seed Company, you're buying from a variety of people and they choose these people because they believe in them. Right. So please please check them out. I can't wait to get one of their chef specialty garden packets. So they have an Asian herb garden, Asian salad garden, Japanese heirloom garden, and other combinations that you can plant together. They have the coolest edible flower garden bundle. And I really want to try that one. That one would be really cool. I wanted, I want, I want, well, I want to, I don't know. I need to do more research as far as like what can survive here. I would imagine things that are surviving in Japan might have a hard time here. But I just need to go through each of the things and look at them. Yeah. What would do. They're really great about giving you like the yeah. zones. Yeah. But the so, um, stir fry one, I was like, man, your girl can eat a stir fry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they put it together so beautifully too. Like the packets they give you, you can exactly pick all of those out of your garden at the same time and then just go cook them. I just thought that was really badass. Here's the thing about being a home gardener or a farmer, if you're selling, what have you. To me, one of the biggest draws is being able to grow things that you cannot purchase inside of a grocery store. And now people who live in more urban areas, perhaps you have an Asia market and perhaps the Asia market carries this stuff. I'm probably three and a half hours from the possibility of an Asia market I have not researched. Right. So things like that, for example, or even just like on a less exotic scale, but uh, a different colored green bean that you can't find in the store, you know, like things like this are what make gardening so cool is that you get to taste things exactly. and try things that you can't buy somewhere. So you might as well grow it and see if you like it. Exactly. Yeah, it's really cool. So check their link out. It'll be in our show notes. Please buy from them. If you're thinking about ordering from a big name, we won't say the name, but everyone mm-hmm. knows what we're talking about heirloom seeds right buy from one of these businesses that we mentioned because they actually have roots and asian heritage that needs to be supported yeah so it's kitazawa k-i-t-a-z-a-w-a seed.com and if you're driving or whatever we'll have that in the show notes so don't panic don't panic they have a catalog too i'm also going to get that because i love catalogs me too yes okay yes I might just need to try the. I'm gonna try it. I'm doing I'm gonna it. Try it. I'm ordering. I'm it gonna this get week. that edible flower packet. Okay, and then we're gonna report back. Okay. Here's what we're Sounds doing. Good. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have that on our next breaking news segment. If you want to ask us a question, you can reach out to me on Instagram, or both of us at milkmaidspodcast at gmail dot com. 
Leave a review on iTunes. That super helps us out. And don't say anything mean because I can't handle it. I'm a people pleaser. <laughs> we are looking for shout outs. So if you have one, please reach out to us. Let us know. And you can reach Stephanie on Facebook. Awesome. At Milkmaid's Podcast. Yeah. If that wasn't obvious. <laughs> Type in Milkmaid's Podcast anywhere. You'll find us. You'll find us. <laughs> Stephanie. Yes. What music have you been listening to lately? What's been getting you through this shitty spring? <laughs> It's, you know, what's interesting is sometimes I get on a kick of one thing or another, right? Oh, I do the same thing. And I feel like this has been so reminiscent of my moods lately. It's like, I'll be like all morning, like deadlocked into the Beach Boys. And then between like 10 and 12, I'm like obsessed with Tyler Childers. And then (laughs) I don't know, on to Halsey and then back to the Beatles. I've been all over the place, which I'm usually not, which is probably indicative of something. Because usually I'm, I get kind of obsessed and I'll listen to like this yeah. one particular artist or this one particular album. But potentially it says something that I'm bouncing to all of my like staple favorites <laughs> right now. Yeah. Yeah. To get you through. Right. <laughs> right. How about you? I've been listening to a lot of The White Stripes mm-hmm. and then Moses Sumney. Is, I love him and I'm just trying to like learn all of his songs. Mm-hmm. So He's so good. I can feel like yeah, it's so good. So yes. good. I have to be in the right space to listen to him, though. I know. Some of it's really, like, doomsday and sad. Or just, like, it makes, makes you feel you too much. Yeah. 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 And his music videos are beautiful, too. Oh, I haven't got there so. yet. I don't know that I can handle that. <laughs> they're, they're a lot. <laughs> they're a lot. So that's what I've been listening to. And I've if I can memorize the lyrics to something, then I'm satisfied. Mm-hmm. And I can put it on. And so. Yeah. My other son, he's doing that, too. He'll say, oh, is this Moses Sumney? Like, he is some you're not even nine child <laughs> and he's like oh is this Safon stevens i like this song i'm like yes yes you are my child <laughs> i love that i love that oh my gosh so other than rocking out what's been going on <laughs> rocking out and keeping dixie alive right those are my two things yep. <laughs> those are my that's two priorities right do. now i legit go out and feed her grain like five times a day because that helps getting them out of ketosis. They need to eat more carbohydrates. So it's right. it's a situation. But you have to Thank be careful goodness. not to just pour her grain. Right. And I have it to been. the handfuls a hundred times a day. Yeah. A hundred times a day. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yes. Thank goodness for Bluetooth headphones, right? Right. <laughs> yep. So the vet was here twice. Not last week. It was the week before. Mm-hmm. So that's expensive. And she is so sweet. I just offhandedly said like a tiger king thing i was like i'm never going to financially recover from this and she's like if it makes you feel better i usually forget to write something on the bill and i was like no that doesn't make me feel better not even a little bit <laughs> i was like thinking in my head i'm funny but i don't know how to project that i'm funny right. to somebody <laughs> oh i'm an idiot anyway oh my god so we're not getting any milk which is unfortunate because she's our only milking animal but you need goats. If I if I milk her, then she just gets really sick. Like she goes right into sick. ketosis, like right away. Like yeah, I've never seen anything like it, and nobody has a story of the similar situation. So here we are, Dixie. I don't. Yeah, it's Dixie. We cleaned out both coops today, which was shitty, but I got it done. That's the best. Yeah, it's not best, it's the but best. <laughs> it's done. I love that. Doug is working on the chicken tractor. He's doing an amazing job, and it's gonna have to be like yours, where you step over it yeah. into it. Which I didn't want, but he wanted that. So I will say it does. It may be him. harder with your kids. That'll. That's the only thing. Like, we would do the same thing over again because there's no chickens getting out when you're dragging waters around. Like you don't have to worry yeah. about any of it. 
but your kids are little but they're agile they'll be fine yeah i'm sure they'll be fine yeah I just don't want to fall on a chicken when I <laughs> catch my boot or something. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You should be good. So in the biggest Montana farming news, mm-hmm. SB 199, the raw milk, actually, it's called the Food Freedom Bill. So this gives us, I guess, not permission, but legally, we can sell chickens. We can sell raw milk if it's tested properly. So make sure you do that and you buy from good sources. And there's other things that go into it. I'm not a scientist of law, so a law person. <laughs> scientist of law what is wrong with me (laughs) excuse me ma'am i'm a scientist of law i'm a scientist of law anyway check your laws i don't think it goes into law until later but yeah that's exciting sb199 it's really exciting so what's happening on your farm stephanie i like actually had to sit down and think about it because it's technically been the two weeks There's been like a lot of nonsense in between, but essentially the bullet points are we still don't have any turkeys. Still no turkeys, no idea where the damn things are. They're existing somewhere. Existing. So it was last week, wasn't it, Tara? Last week. Or was it this week? It was this week. I was supposed to get broilers. Why don't you know Yes, it was. Okay, see? Yes, it was. It was this week I was supposed to get broilers. And it had dawned on me that I didn't get a tracking number, which I always get from this hatchery. And so I reached out to them. And I guess there was like a miscommunication and they bumped my order to the end of May. And I guess, I don't know, forgot to tell me about it or something. Um, because there's an egg shortage. It's like, like the 23rd or something. Of May. Yeah. yeah. Of course you would know. Of course you would know. ADHD brain. <laughs> I know random things. So anyhow, that's an entire batch for us. Like that's an entire, that's a quarter of our season's gone because egg shortages. Egg shortage. So anyhow, this uh, really motivates me to get the Delawares figured out. And I'm also really considering buying turkeys. So not, I'm considering oh. buying heritage turkeys. Breeding turkeys. Breeding turkeys. Yep. Yes. Because anyways, and I need to do an update on the Delawares too. So help me yeah. remember that. So that's all the downer stuff in the, in the well, kind of not really, in the swing side, in one respect. Uh, Gracie <laughs> Gracie had her babies. So Gracie is was the second goat we had to kid. And uh, she had two beautiful, healthy males. <laughs> <laughs> Boys. Never been less excited, which is fine. They're both very healthy and cute and sweet. And it worked out actually perfect because... We have a neighbor who got on our list last fall for two boys, and we had the single boy earlier, but I was really hoping to get them some siblings because that's always so fun for pet homes to have. Like, the siblings are just so bonded and stuff. So Mm -hmm. anyhow, it's fine. I really would like to grow the goat business with dolings, but if the universe isn't giving me dolings, I'm going to buy heritage turkeys, I guess. (laughs) It's the year of the testicles. Redirect. It really is. I can't get away from them. Nope. It's really a thing. Uh, speaking of testicles, <laughs> transition well. Well, the pigs no longer have them. We, They're gone. We castrated the pigs today. I was very fortunate. I still. This is crazy how it worked out. But Tara had two litters of pigs last year, and I bought pigs from both of them. So when I was picking up the first round of pigs, the second round of pigs were ready to be castrated. So I was lucky enough that. I got to learn from her in person there and she even let me do a couple of them, which was excellent because that like hands-on component is invaluable. So and especially with castrating, you cannot beat that. Yeah. Because no, I just learned from videos. Yeah. So Yeah, and I'm I, glad that you were able like, to. I don't know, pigs are so foreign to me. I probably would have figured it out 
because I have done horses before, so mm. it's yeah, it's very similar. similar. You just have yeah. to make sure to cut the skin, and then there's a sack in there that most people miss. A membrane, and you have to lightly, yeah, yeah. Which I don't. Sorry, scientist. <laughs> You're a scientist the of the sack. law. Let me be a yeah. scientist of the testicles, please. <laughs> yeah, which, but it's interesting because if you don't cut that, they don't pop out. They won't pop yeah, out. So yeah, so it's kind of like it makes your life harder unless you do it right. But mm-hmm. anyhow, it was fine. Nancy got out at one point. Uh, always happens. Yeah, you always think you're gonna be murdered by a sow. <sighs> so we took her out to where we had kept her beforehand. So it's out the barn around the corner, right? And then this is where I think we needed to figure out a better system because we were taking them from where that piglet pen is. I'm telling Tara because at least she's seen the place. But um, and then across the alleyway up the ramp and into the milk barn right yes. and the reason we were doing that she didn't hear him squeal right however they screamed bloody murder the whole way up there and it was like by the time we got them in the box they weren't screaming anymore so yeah. it's like i don't i don't know like next time we may set up closer we may also put the pig in the trailer we thought about that too yeah that's actually what courtney does yeah that's which is smart. smart yeah so anyway mm-hmm. she she busted out us some hog panels and luckily, I had thought to put up like a secondary gate to where she couldn't get to us if one system failed, because yes. one system did fail. So, but you know what? Like, even if she could have gotten to us, I mean, I don't, you don't trust anything, but she just really seemed like she wanted to be near piglets, not necessarily coming after us in particular, but hard to say what she would have done had she had the opportunity. Right. So that's good. That's like huge to have off the plate. I always stress out about things like that, especially things I haven't done. Yeah. Moving pigs in general is like my greatest anxiety in life. <laughs> and it's never as bad as I think it's going to be. So anyhow, that was good. The other thing, our friend Kathy gave us a queen bee. It's a, lo- oh, a yeah. longer story, but she had an extra queen bee that she had ordered and she uh, gave it to us. So Brian did our very first split that we've ever done. We're fairly new at the bees. So we split one hive and it seems to be going well. They're still in there. He saw the queen today. He did the split That's a couple awesome. days ago. So anyhow, we'll see how that goes. Pink hive. Mills' hive, hive is back in the back in the running. <laughs> so and then the only other thing are trees. So I'm going to talk about this in the episode, but our trees got delayed, of course, because I have yet to order trees that have not got delayed. Or anything, right? Or anything, right? (laughs) Or send anything. (laughs) Turkeys, chickens, trees, more chickens. Yep, trees again. Yeah. So, anyways, the trees though are supposed to be here tomorrow. So, actually, we've done zero prep. Brian mowed the area today. That's all we've done. Oh, good. (laughs) Monday and Tuesday are going to be long days for me, but we will get it done. So, two hundred trees coming in, but we'll talk about that more in the episode. So. Which brings us to our episode, kind of. Also, I've been feeling like significantly underwhelmed with the garden this year. Or overwhelmed, mm-hmm. maybe. I don't know how to describe it. I just don't uninspired. feel like... Uninspired. Uninspired is the perfect word. Like, I think I just I just killed myself on it last year. And I know yeah. once it starts, like that monster needs fed, right? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> It doesn't stop. Pushing it off as long as I can. And I had like a massive seedling failure first thing this late winter early spring and that just like set Mm -hmm. me off on a like meh sort of (laughs) attitude which is dumb but I've had enough else keeping me busy that's been hard to really put a ton of focus into it so yeah I was telling Tara how uninspired I am and we decided to do an episode gardening for lazy gardeners yes I don't even know if it's lazy it's just like efficient it's actually smart Yeah. yeah so some things you can do if you are either mentally struggling with getting it together this year 
or if you have never gardened before and you are intimidated by doing a garden every year, or if you're a full-time gardener, you love it, but you want to take some tasks off your plate, we're going to talk about a lot of those different options today. So between perennials and self-seeding plants and like trees and bushes too, that you don't have to tend to nearly as much as you do just a general annual. So a perennial, the difference between a perennial and an annual, an annual gets planted every single year and it dies at the end of every single year. End of story. You have to start from scratch every single season. The perennial, that same plant, lives year after year after year. Some perennials do have a lifespan that... Like strawberries. Yeah, that what we would see. It's seven years. How many? Seven. Oh. How do I know this? I don't know. It's in the I depths of no my idea. brain. I have no idea about that. <laughs> yeah, some trees and bushes absolutely... Well, I think all of them have a lifespan. It's just that... Right. Some may not be some are longer and some are shorter. Exactly. So, yeah. so some some are like a single plant, like like a lavender or a or an apple tree, right? And some are a spreading plant, like a strawberry, right? You can mm-hmm. take one and get a whole bunch of them. So, something to consider for your space and also your money and time. I know, like we bought significantly less strawberries than we wanted in the long run, knowing that they would fill in. So, that because that is the thing, perennials typically cost a little bit more than annuals. But if you think about the fact that you don't have to buy them every year and you also don't have to do like your time is money. So if you don't have to take the time to plant every year, that's huge. So you want to just go back and forth on these? Some different examples? Yes. So I had written down a bunch of examples that I have on my property or want on my property. Tara, if you have any that I don't have, jump in. But asparagus. And the cool story about my asparagus is that the seeds I got were actually from my great uncle Dick. So they're like my own heirloom seeds. Family. Which is way cool. Yeah. Like yeah. Family. That's heirloom. the only you thing I have some. like that. I did. Yeah. So. So I think I'm going to plant them. Asparagus are, uh, they're super easy. They grow in zones three to 10. So generally anywhere. You can start them from seeds or from crowns. If you start them from seeds, you typically have a better selection of variety of seeds available, but they do put you behind a year. So a crown is uh, more like a a tuber looking thing. They kind of actually look like a little octopus, but it's like a root that you plant. It is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It it looks exactly like an octopus with a billion legs. Yeah. Yeah. So you have the so. center stalk and then the roots mm-hmm. you spread out like octopus. That's called a fibrous root system. Sorry. <laughs> I had to throw that in there. Scientists of roots too. <laughs> Law and roots. Law and roots. <laughs> oh my God. Sounds like a band name of. Unknown oh my origins. gosh yes <laughs> anyway so the crowns get you ahead a year so if you do from seed you're looking to harvest in three years from the time you start the seed and the crowns would be two years what i can tell you is that kind of those kind of inf- pieces of information deterred me from doing perennials for a long time because some of them do take years think back about how short it was two years ago and how you wish you would have done it two years ago and just do exactly. it. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you just have to change your mindset on it. It's the long haul, baby. Right. <laughs> right. And I'm awful at that. Anyhow, they're one of the ones that you plant a few of them and they spread over the years, which is nice. All you have to do is keep their area fairly weed free and well watered. They come up year after year. The other nice thing about them is they come up like pretty early in the spring. So they're the first vegetable you typically have. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but it grows wild around places, but I won't go pick it because every time there's a asparagus patch, there's rattlesnakes there. Is it really? Yes. Every single time. What? What? I wonder why. Yeah, rattlesnakes. It's just like the perfect, wherever asparagus grows, 
rattlesnakes love. Wow. So I'm not about that rattlesnake life. No snattle rakes. Snattle rakes. <laughs> so yeah, they're great. Asparagus is great. Rhubarb is another one. Do you have a rhubarb plant? <laughs> What? <laughs> shouldn't be, that shouldn't be a funny question, right? Uh, my neighbor gave me two of them, but, which is a good way to get them is from neighbors because they are impossible to kill, right? They're, they grow wild in God. <laughs> and you know how I'm so weird about my dreams? And like, yes, I, yes, yes, she says. Uh, sometimes I have the craziest dreams and they're absolutely true. And I probably shouldn't. This is like way too out there for our fan base probably. <laughs> Uh, obviously sometimes I have dreams that are like not even remotely true. Right. So it's not really reliable. <laughs> like you never know which one's sort of true and which one's sort of not. But like, like, for example, I dreamt about somebody I hadn't talked to or seen in 10 years and I woke yeah. up to find out that he had passed away that night, which is like, <gasps> you are mad crazy. Right. So like, sometimes I have dreams like that, that it's like, wow, I should pay attention to my dreams. And then I'll go like six months of just insanity. That doesn't make any sense. However, yeah. the spring, like as the snow was starting to clear, but we still had like probably three weeks of snow left before I could even see the rhubarb. I had a dream that they were all dead and I just knew in my heart and soul that they were all dead. Wow. I just knew it. Like I absolutely was certain of this. <laughs> the rhubarb is <laughs> rhubarb dead. Rhubarb was dead. Spoiler alert, they're not dead. In the meantime, I planted Whoa. two more rhubarb from, oh, from roots the dream. from the store. So I've got oh, rhubarb wow. really everywhere. See, the thing about rhubarb is it's very specific. Like you're going to have to make a certain thing to accommodate this rhubarb. What do you mean? Certain thing. For cooking? Like it's just not like you can be like, hey – I have rhubarb pie for dinner every single night. Like, I see what you're saying. You know what? There is a lot of things you can do with it, but it is a lot of sweeter stuff. Like when I was a kid, I would just break it off and dip it in sugar and eat it. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. I was a weird kid. Fun fact: the leaves are toxic, so don't eat those part. Yeah. So, like Stephanie said, it's almost impossible to kill. You can plant roots from the store or get some from the neighbor. My father-in-law is so funny because. At the old place. We used to live at their old house, and that's where they raised their kids. So my husband grew up there, and we lived there. When they didn't live there, they bought a house in town. So he just took a whole bunch of rhubarbs and, like, threw them on the side of the hill. So there's just rhubarb plants, like, everywhere. (laughs) And they're balling. They're just crazy. And then I had chickens there, and they ate all the leaves somehow and lived. Really? Like, yeah, my chickens are metal. (laughs) So they're metal. The stalks are edible. A lot of people don't like it. Like, my husband won't eat it. Even in the sweet stuff, like a rhubarb mm -mm. jam? No? No. Yeah, so you just have to research and see what you can do with it. And if you even like it, like maybe try it before you plant it. And uh, at almost any grocery store, you could get like a strawberry rhubarb jam. Yeah. I would think. I know we have it. That would be probably the closest, unless you know somebody with it. But Every person is trying to get rid of their rhubarb. That's usually what happens. And if you're looking for rhubarb, get on your like local Facebook page or whatever. Right now, this time, some areas are probably too late, but... Get on there because people are always happy to share it. Oh, but yeah. here's the thing. It's like, just like, I think rhubarb It's a looks kumbacha pretty. mother. It does. Yeah. And the I deer won't it, touch it. No. And they're like, they're huge, big, beautiful. I don't know. Bushes isn't the right word, but mounds of Plants. greenery. Yeah. That, yeah. Um, for me, I feel like even if I don't eat it all, it still looks nice. Yeah. Yeah. It's not going to hurt anything. So plant then it. And they come back year after year. Yeah. So onions are also, uh, a lot of onions are perennial. And depending on the variety, you're anywhere from zone three to 10. Uh, scallions and bunching onions, those ones can be perennial. Uh, year two, they come back slightly different than if you were to plant them just year one. They're just a little bit, a bigger bulb and bigger green stalks, but they're still super tasty. So you just plant 
plant them and leave them in the ground over the winter and they'll come up in the spring. They also come up super, super early. Yeah, they're pretty cold tolerant. Yeah, they usually poke up through the snow here. My favorite though, uh, I was again gifted this one from a lady I took a class from, but it's an Egyptian walking onion and they uh, have really quite large stalks to them uh, and their flavor is kind of a almost a garlicky onion. It's like a mild, I don't know how to describe it. It's like a seasoned onion flavor. It's really kind of kind of Ooh. unique. The cool thing about these things is that they, like you'll get your original cutting and they come up in a couple stalks or whatever. And then they'll build this big, beautiful flower like onions do. And then in the fall, that'll dry up and get heavy and it'll it'll fall over. Yeah. And then it'll plant another one right there. And that's why they call it walking Badass. because it just kind of... Yeah. Um, claws along. Reaches its so, limbs out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think they're really cool. Again, that's another thing you can't buy in the store. And they're tougher than nails. They come up through the snow, too. I mean, they're like yeah. in almost full production right now. And we have nothing else coming up. So I think the nice thing about a lot of these, too, is you wouldn't think that these sell really well at the farmer's markets, but they somehow always do. Well, it's because people... That's how you have to spin it, though, is that where else would you be able to buy this? Have you ever even Niche. tried it? Yeah. You couldn't buy right. it anywhere. Yeah, I don't recall ever seeing yeah. rhubarb at the store. So No, I don't. I haven't. Yeah. I haven't. So, yeah. So, grow anyways. this. Grow niche stuff like that. Yeah, it's fun and easy. The next is horseradish. Horseradish? Horseradish? Horseradish. Horseradish horse. 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 Horsechester. What? <laughs> I'm the worst at saying things. The next is horseradish. It grows in zone three through nine. And so somebody gave us horseradish and we planted it next to the rhubarb. And they're like, you can't kill this stuff. It spreads like a weed. We've never been able to kill it. It's taking over. Guess what? It died. What? The chickens killed it. Are you serious? (laughs) Yeah, they ate the leaves again. Oh, that's hysterical. (laughs) My chickens are metal. Oh my gosh. So they killed my horseradish. So I planted mine before I knew how invasive they have a tendency to be. And we had lived here not very long, a couple months. Yeah. So I didn't really understand the property at all. I accidentally put it in the literal worst spot. Like it's the worst soil anywhere, probably for miles. And uh, it just gets dry as a bone, the way that the soil is set up in that particular spot. So luckily it stayed kind of close to where what it is because we don't even like horseradish. Yeah. Like, who I don't likes, even know I why mean, we got it, but I was... My husband loves it, so that's one thing. But I'll gr- I'll start growing it for him. It is one of those things that will take over. Yeah. If you don't have chickens who are metal. Right. <laughs> right. But they're great for spots that you can't really like plant conventional things. So or you can put them in a container too. Yeah. Yeah. I saw this deal where people put mint in a container and put it in the ground, so it looked the same, but because mint spreads via roots. Yeah. Oh, I just thought that was kind of smart. So you could do the same thing. I love mint for that reason too. It just spreads from the ground and you just see another mint plant and you're so excited. I want to do my lawn in mint. Yeah. I really do. I'm like yeah. a little scared to do it because it can be invasive, but I'm, I stand firmly on the nothing is invasive here. Like nothing yeah. thrives here. <laughs> Except burdock. I guess burdock is probably one of those things. Well, they say it is, but I don't see a lot of it. Yeah. It's like, I don't know. Anyways, tangent. Garlic. So you can do seeds oh, or division for horseradish. No, that's all I had to include. Perfect. Garlic's usually harvested in the fall. That's how most people. You know what's funny is I messaged you about garlic a long time ago and I still haven't planted it. <sighs> Tara, <laughs> I'm going. Well, no, I'm coming up there in the fall. 
I'm planting. She's garlic. gonna kill me. She's I am doing the planting of the garlic. I'm bringing the bulbs. Here's the deal. My sunflowers are happy where the garlic should go. <laughs> the garlic can go literally anywhere. <laughs> literally anywhere. I'm fixing this this fall. Oh. You'll just see me out there in the middle of the night planting garlic bulbs. <laughs> garlic. <laughs> Doug will be happy. So garlic, you usually pull the whole thing out in the fall, which is fine. And typically what people do is then break the cloves apart and stick a cl- one clove yes. in for each spot that they want a new garlic to come up. Yes. That's great. If you're super lazy class, uh, you can just leave them in. Leave the- So pull out the bigger ones and leave the smaller ones and they'll just plant more right then and there. So that's another option too. That's why I included it in the list. They're not necessarily a true perennial, but they function like one. Yes, yeah. they do. Okay, so for potato, I just want to state that I did get a TikTok, unfortunately, <laughs> because it's sucking all of my time. I know, it's the worst. <laughs> it's the worst. Don't get TikTok. Oh my God. Oh, so, but this lady was saying like permaculture people were coming after because she's not doing something right. And this old lady, she showed this video. I can't remember her name. I'll look it Ruth up and Stout. mention it. Ruth Stout. Stout. This bad bitch was like, I just throw taters out here and I put hay over it uh-huh. and I am obsessed. Yep. She threw whole and she's like, potatoes. you just, you just got to try something and do it. Yeah. And if it doesn't work, don't do it. Right. That is so encouraging to me because a lot of time we get stuck in this space, especially watching YouTube. Mm-hmm. These people are like, you have to do it this way. You have to do it this way. No, right. no bitch. Yeah. You do it how you want to do it. Figure out if it works. Great. If it doesn't work great you learned a way it doesn't work you can learn a way that it does work so especially because environments are so different exactly and that's what's so frustrating is you find these people who say that they are the master of this or master of that okay but you live in south carolina you don't get to tell me how to grow here in montana Ugh, south carolina people are the worst they're the (laughs) we just lost our south carolina people there they go no, I'm just jealous. That's all. Like, have you it's, ever seen yeah. a picture of South Carolina that didn't have like beautiful greenery, greenery and trees and like lush pastures? I don't. I don't. Is there snakes, a bad though. time? Can you guys tell me? Is there a bad time of year there? Probably when the snakes are out. That's the only Stephanie. thing. Yeah, I don't do snakes yeah. or bugs. <laughs> I do bugs. I just don't do snakes. So, potatoes. They're not <laughs> technically perennial, but I got myself a whole bunch of purple potatoes, and they're already in the ground. Are they coming and up? They're yet? very no. But I didn't expect them to. Yeah. They're super forgiving and you can play around with them. Mm-hmm. Like people plant them in straw bales, yep. just straight into straw bales. You can pile up straw on them. And the idea is that they'll grow up and then their potatoes are actually the roots, mm-hmm. technically. Yep. Like a tuber, right? You would yep. say that they're like a tuber. So the potatoes, every time you add more soil or what have you, you're giving yourself more area for potato. And this is super fun. We... I had a dog that used to dig up potatoes with us because my mom had a great garden and she was adorable. But the kids are great about picking up the potatoes. Yeah. Another fun fact, the leaves of potatoes are toxic. Nightshade. Nightshade. So I love that there's so many foods, vegetables (laughs) that we eat that are toxic, like parts of the plant are toxic. Right. No, because like Johnny ate the top of that and someone said, okay, he's dead, but like somebody else should go try the rest. (laughs) Right? When I was a kid, this is a true story. I used to think that back in the day, like hundreds and hundreds of years ago, if somebody got in trouble, they're like, all right, you stole this fork. So you need to go and try that vegetable. And so we're going to see if you live. <laughs> if you like live. that's what I, <laughs> we know we can eat it. Oh my God. Yeah. Sometimes so some I, of these things crack me up about like, who thought that 
that eating that was a good idea. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. And if you decide to do potatoes this year in your garden for the first time, like we were saying, don't get too overwhelmed. There's a hundred different ways to do it. We have uh, stuck them in the ground and gotten too busy to hill them up and have still had way too many potatoes. So yeah, hilling them up's great. Uh, if you don't get it done, you don't get it done. They'll be fine. Yeah. You want to just they'll throw be fine. them under and some hay? They'll be fine. The, you know those little potatoes that you get? If you have little potatoes, mm-hmm. what you do is take a baking pan and warm your oven up to 400. And then you smash all those little potatoes and you put olive oil, yep. garlic, and Parmesan over those and you cook them and they're delicious. The best. Little potatoes you can't go wrong with. If you have giant potatoes, obviously cut it up. Right. Mashed potatoes. You can do so much with potatoes. Yeah, they're good. They're so underrated. And they store for so long. Store for so long, right. yes. But I was just looking at how to do it in a cooler. Yeah. And you put that in the basement so mice can't get to it. Right. And there's a billion ways to do everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just put ours in boxes in the basement. Mm-hmm. It seems to strike the perfect. We still have potatoes. Yeah. But the reason they were included in this perennial list is because no matter how hard you try, unless you put these things in containers, you're going to forget potatoes in the ground. Yeah. I had like four. Surprise. I think four potato plants in my flower garden last year because that's where we oh, grew wow. the potatoes before. Yeah. So they were just And there. you know what's They're funny gorgeous. is I've, I've grown some in the compost pile. Yeah. Yep. So they'll fall on the side and then they'll just come up. They're like, hello, hello. I'm happy to be here. Yep. So I love them. Yeah. So they grow some potatoes. And then you can kind of do that intentionally too. If you're like, hey, I just mm-hmm. want these to come up next year. I'm going to leave one behind. Go for it. Give it a shot. So the next list that we have is less uh, in detail and more of just a quick, fast, dirty list because we're talking about herbs, perennial herbs. And if we were going... I mean, we could just list them. They could go on forever. There's a bunch of perennial herbs. But these are some that I have and jump in with some of yours. But thyme, oregano, parsley, lemon balm, Parsley. Okay, so I want to ask a question about parsley. Isn't it because the seeds come back? It seeds itself, I was going to say, it might be considered self-seeding. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Lemon balm, mint. And we'll, yeah, we'll clarify the self-seeding part of things in a minute. Uh, Lemon balm, mint, fennel, I have started so I haven't actually done it all the way this year. Yeah. Sage, chives, uh, cilantro, again, is also self-seeding. Rosemary I have in my house. It does not do well here. As I understand, 98% yeah. of the country, rosemary is really hard to kill. So um, give it a shot. But it is one of my favorites in the house. Lavender does well here. Uh, little violets and Roman chamomile. Those are the big hitters that I have so far. Yeah. And the thing about sage is just make sure to cut those woody dead stock back in the spring that's what i do and it comes up beautifully on the sage sage yeah. yeah and it is just an easy plant to split so if you wanted to split it and give somebody some you can do that and it really does take over but it's one of those things that you want to take over i can't I have. get mine to take over it takes actually a couple years and maybe that's so the not... case it just seems like it struggles here yeah it does take a couple years mm-hmm. i have really hardy plants so maybe i'll just give you a split and I just love sage. I think it's underrated and you need to grow it. And you can make your own sausage. Yeah. Right there from your garden. So cool. It is really I cool. I love doing that kind of stuff. Like a lot of times we'll sit down with a meal and be like, everything except for this one thing was from our place or yeah. whatever. That's so cool. Yeah. Do you have any other weird herbs? Not we both time. started a bunch of new herbs this year that we'll talk about I later. I bought herbs. Well, right. Because you, you'll just put them in the ground. I started a few <laughs> of them and then misplaced an entire packet. So... Whoops. We'll see if they pop back up again. <laughs> so flowers. This, again, could be like a giant list, but these are some that I have. Uh, tulips and daffodils. Any sort of... Do tulips grow really well there? Fantastic. And daffodils do That's too. That's great. 
Um, mm-hmm. Tulips are my favorite. But yeah. daffodils are fairly deer, deer resistant. So my plan is this fall to, to buy a big bulk deal of daffodils and put them around all my trees. Yeah, yeah they won't bother the daffodils, but they definitely eat the tulips. And also yeah. there are a ton of books on deer resistant plants if yeah. you're looking. I just got some from the library and there's beautiful gardens of how you can even make something that is attractive to deer. So where they don't notice it, you'll plant plants around that plant that the deer do not like. Think about that. And I think that that level of garden design is so flippin' fun. Yeah. Like figuring out ways to outsmart nature with nature is like the coolest, mm-hmm. the coolest it's 40 thing chess, son. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So tulips might be my favorite thing. I love tulips and we have a gazillion of them. They're not up yet, but the green part is up. Flowers are not here yet. Yarrow. Tara and I are both yarrow junkies and it's beautiful. So... Yeah, it just grows wild here. There's too. different types of yarrow. Mm-hmm. The the kind you want is white, and it has a feathery leaf on For it. For medicinal so some purposes. Be- yes. Yeah. yes. Yes. So you need to really pay attention on what is yarrow, because some people get it mixed up with other poisonous things like hemlock. Right. And it's very different to me, hemlock, and yarrow. But just clarify, if you need to buy it at a garden shop, please do. Well, that's the thing. So sometimes foraging can be intimidated intimidating rather and a great way bring that yarrow into your garden it's beautiful first off it smells divine and you know exactly what it is so that's yeah yeah absolutely and our very first episode we mentioned indigenous seed initiative i think that's what they're called Mm -hmm. and they do sell yarrow on there so give them a look and if you want to grow yarrow but it's so great my kids can immediately identify it and go and harvest it yep which is great because then I could be like, okay, go harvest some yarrow. Yeah. So I could have five minutes to myself. It's, no, it's fantastic. <laughs> I also have some peonies that came with the place. They're just gorgeous and easy. I never have to do anything with them. Bee balm, echinacea, and catmint are all uh, things that my bees love and they're beautiful. And some of them have some medicinal properties to them too. So it's that extra little bonus. But yeah, I mean, really perennial flowers there's books written about that so those are just some that i have do you have any true i know you have self-seeding do you have any true perennial flowers uh, the daffodils yeah. are something that always come back and then i have a whole bunch of varieties that i'm not sure yeah about like what they're called gotcha. they were just here yeah oh, okay nice so and the reason you should if you have any sort of vegetable you should absolutely have flowers because you want those pollinators to come in mm-hmm. and pollinate your fruit or your vegetables and fruits, technically, like a pumpkin is a fruit. So, and then also, the reason we're mentioning this is so you understand that you need to get those pollinators moving into your place. Yeah. And so, two things with planting plant planting flowers with vegetables, you attract pollinators, and with certain ones like marigolds, you detest deter pests. Detest. Yes. <laughs> Detest. Deter I pests. detest. Detest. <laughs> Deter pests. Yes. Uh, so yeah, they can be really beneficial and they're beautiful and they're good for your your heart when you're needing that yes. beauty. It matters. They make the sads go away. Right. <laughs> Berries, strawberries, like I said, they have a life of <laughs> seven years, but they also tend to take over. Yeah. So w- when you're dedicating a spot, mine are in a raised garden bed and they've actually literally climbed out of that raised garden bed and they're going into the bark around it. Seriously? Oh, yeah. They're prolific. And we actually have wild strawberries here, too. I've never actually seen a strawberry grow because I think the mice Everything and things gets get to it. it first. Yeah. But it's just really cool to see that. Raspberries. We have, well, <laughs> so embarrassing. When I first got here, they had a gorgeous raspberry patch. 
that I took a class on, thought I knew what I was doing, and decided to prune, I pretty much flattened the whole damn thing. Oh, it was no. horrendous. It's fine. It's I, I just essentially what I did is I over pruned and I knocked it back like two or three years. So this year should be a good year for it. But yeah, I uh, did it no favors. But as long as you're not really enthusiastic about taking such good <laughs> care of these raspberries, <laughs> they do just <laughs> fine in most environments. They're very hardy. Uh, they spread as well. They can get out of control if uh, you have the right conditions for sure. If you're just looking to buy raspberries like this year, first you can try Friends or your local Facebook page or Craigslist or what have you, or you can order raspberries too. Either way, however you do it, I would recommend. Nowadays, they have a lot of thornless varieties. Just makes things easier. Yeah, you just, for real. Like if you're right now, I don't have thornless, but that's the patch that I have, right? So I'm not going to rip that. Well, I did rip it out on accident. I'm not going to rip <laughs> it purpose. out and start over, you know, but if you're starting from scratch, that's my one piece of advice. But they're, they, raspberries are great. They do need quite a bit of water. They're, they're fairly thirsty plants, but mm-hmm. they're beautiful. And the bees just light up those bushes too. They love them. Yeah, they really do. Yeah. So blueberries, they do need fairly acidic soil. Can you guys? They do grow here. You can grow them there? Yes. They just need a lot of babysitting in the first couple years. Like my really? mom has them in buckets yeah and she bring wheels them into her house every winter until they're like four or five years old oh okay but and then they go in the ground or they stay in a container yeah oh wow yeah because they can grow in maine so i know that they can grow here and actually there was a huge blueberry farm here for a long time and they had the most beautiful blueberries but from what i understand about blueberries it's less about the temperature and it's very much so to do with the acidic soil yeah so a way to get over that is that pine needles are acidic and we have a shit ton yeah. of pine needles so we just put that in the hole yeah and ours died but i didn't take very, very good care of them yeah so i know if you bad. have alkaline soil like i did a bunch of research on this if you have alkaline soil and if you're just trying to add acid things that are acidic to your soil it, it's just always going to want to go back to nature yeah so like to me it, uh, the way i interpreted it, it just seemed like it was an uphill battle with them but where i'm from in oregon there's blueberry farms I mean, you can't throw a rock without hitting a blueberry farm. They're everywhere. <laughs> Just the perfect soil. Yeah, for it's them. the perfect soil in the Northwest. So anyhow, if you have means to grow blueberries, though, like they're they're really easy if you have the right soil. They're almost like a weed mm-hmm. in Oregon. So, mm-hmm. And I think blueberries are my favorite berries, period. So yeah, good. they're really good. Yeah. It yes. just burns me that I can't have them here, but it's <laughs> okay. Uh, blackberries, that's the same story from Oregon. They oh, really? are very, well, no, it's a different story, I guess. In Oregon, they're very invasive, very prolific. Every, they're everywhere. I mean, there's entire mm-hmm. companies dedicated to mitigating blackberry bushes, which wow. breaks my heart. Stop the slaughter of blackberries. So <laughs> here it's just too cold. They're like up to zone five, I think, four or five or zone threes. And it's just not going to work. So anyways, I if I ever get that, you know where my chicken coop is? On the mm-hmm. south side of that where the run is, that's like a nice beautiful like flat white that area has always melted snow so fast like a microclimate right but currently I have the chickens there if I ever get them out of there that's where I would put blackberries to try yeah I don't know shit about currants well I do so uh current (laughs) I do (laughs) I know everything you're a scientist on currants (laughs) (laughs) not current news no so currants are like a alternative berry for people who can't grow the rest of the stuff that everybody else is familiar with. So currants, they're like a smaller tartar 
blackberry and they grow in like a shorter shrubbier kind of a bush but there's different varieties available and they're super cold hardy so we have gold currants right now and i think we're getting red currants on monday i can't remember so anyhow it's probably lost in the mail right no they are they're lost in the mail yeah we'll get to that but yeah it's uh it's a little nuts so and then the next two do you know anything about gooseberries or goji berries so these are two i included them because i've I've read about them a ton i'm familiar with them the reason being is that they're very cold hardy but i don't have them yet so gooseberries and goji berries uh, are something to look into if you are in a nice box like i am Mm -hmm. or even if you're not they're a nice berry seems like a nice thing if i ever run across them i'm gonna plant them so then trees right so orchard trees this could be a huge list i can only talk to the things that i know about so for us, our orchard trees include apples, pears, and cherries. That's pretty much an all-inclusive list of what can grow here. Biggest piece of advice, and I know we've said this before, but find a nursery that is in your climate. And like the nursery we buy from is St. Lawrence Nursery, and they're in upstate New York. So similar snow loads, similar temperatures. They also graft their trees to a Russian rootstock that's super cold hardy. So oh, wow. that's why they're successful here for us. If I were just to go pick up any apple tree, it wouldn't work here. So wow. again, right, like extremes happen everywhere. So if you're in Florida, probably don't buy yours from St. Lawrence Nursery, right? Or you just, it's just <laughs> important to find, especially because orchard trees are expensive. They're super expensive. Mm-hmm. We had at our old place, it was a beautiful apricot tree. Did you really? And they grew really well. Yeah, mm-hmm. they grew crazy well. Like this, they would fall so fast that the chickens would hear it and just go running <laughs> to the apricot That's that fell. That's hysterical. I bet that yeah. was cool to watch. So the thing about the trees like that is that you need to be mindful that predators will come in like bears. We've had, I don't even know how many bears come in for apples, cherries, apricots. Yeah. Stephanie's like, oh my God, she's terrified bears of bears. scare me so much. I just planted a whole field of bear bait. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, and they're right next to my hives, too. Ours were, too, and they never, ever mess with the bees. They just mess with really? the trees. Yeah, they just go for easy food. So bears are pretty easy to deter. <laughs> you you have a dog. They're they're fine. Not a big deal. Ugh, bears. It's like my <laughs> irrational, totally rational bear. <laughs> totally, totally rational. rational. This, these trees that I, I was talking about earlier that I'm going to get hopefully tomorrow, they are... Uh, from our conservation district. So this is a great thing. Now you have to be careful. I have to keep a very fine line um, or a very clear line rather in between these trees and like my orchard trees. So my orchard trees are for the business. The conservation mm-hmm. district trees are for personal property. You're not you're not supposed to get them from, for a business because they're through this funded effort. So how it works for our conservation district, and I know there's a lot of districts that do this. You'll just need to Google search yours. But how it works for ours is they have a list of trees that are available and you order like in the fall to early winter and you get you there. I mean, there's selections as far as pot sizes and stuff. We always get the bare root trees and they're like 30 of them for 30 bucks or something. I mean, it's like Mm -hmm. stupid cheap. So now they're bare root trees. You're going to lose a couple of them. Right. But how we've done it is we just set it up. We have what we call our nursery. And so we plant these little bare root trees and then just run our irrigation or drip irrigation along that. And then once they get big enough to go somewhere else, then we'll dig them up and plant them where they're going to live forever. Mm-hmm. But baby, baby trees need so much water and care. That's not true. They just need water. So however you can find an easy way to get them water is great. But your conservation district is going to have trees that do well in your area, which is fantastic when you do live in an extreme climate like me. So 
couple that were hopefully getting, they were on the list and you don't entirely know what uh, you got on your wish list until they arrive. But uh, <laughs> Nanking Cherry is a native cherry. They're super cold hardy. They do have a tartar, tartar fruit for sure, but they can set fruits up or in two years. Wow, that's really fast. Really fast. So they're more of like a shrub than they are a uh, tree, I guess. Uh, choke cherries, people are familiar with those. A native plum. And then the one I'm most excited for, I really hope we get, is the Manchurian apricot. They're super cold hardy. This is like oh, the wow. only way we're going to get apricots here, but mm-hmm. they're uh, super cold hardy and they set fruits in two to three years too. So That's awesome. We got those. We got a whole bunch of like shade trees for the animals and all sorts of stuff. I forget what else we ended That's up great. getting, but there's like 200 trees in total. So if they arrive. Yes. Fingers crossed. crossed. Self-seeding. So this is something I really am good at because, A, I don't clean up deadheads. I just let everything die off and let it be. And then, B, if I see a plant coming up, I'm pretty good about identifying it right away, especially sunflowers. That's my jam. So I'll usually leave them alone or I could move them safely to another spot where they can be encouraged to grow. So self-seeding are great because you can just let them be and then they'll take care of themselves year after year. And you know what's actually great about this is pumpkin. A lot of people don't realize that a pumpkin can be self-seeding. Really. Stay out there. Yeah. So you want to pick a variety if you want something like this. And it is a really cool way to keep doing this is to pick an heirloom variety. Yeah. And go from there. Yeah. So they usually do come up year after year. Some of the ones that really take over to me is like Morning Glory. I'll gl- grow that really well because I love how it climbs and it's just so welcoming. And the hummingbirds love it. I have really? a billion hummingbirds up here. Yeah. yeah. They love Morning Glory. Calendula. Poppies. Mm-hmm. A-, a lot of people think that poppies come from – they're perennial, but they're actually not. They're self-seeding. They just are prolific. Yeah. Yeah, I'm really excited because I had poppies – uh, they're one of the few flowers that really thrives here. Yeah. And so we did yeah. California poppies and just regular annual poppies, but they both self-seed, so we should have plenty. So, yeah, and they're really good at the base of your house too because they just really cover it up mm-hmm. if you're looking at something that wants to take over like that. Cosmos, Larkspur. Larkspur I will not grow here because it's very dangerous yeah. to cattle. Yeah. And the funny thing is that the boys and I were learning about flowers and self-seeding flowers in their homeschooling unit. And there's this whole book dedicated to this lady. It was like all wholesome. Like this lady wanted to spread beauty. So she spread larkspur seeds all over the countryside. And I was like, boys, don't ever do this. Yeah. Because <laughs> I was thinking how pissed off I would be if somebody threw larkspur Can you in imagine? my pasture. I would be so mad. It takes over too. Yeah. It's hard. So I pointed out the larkspur in the book and I was like, don't do don't that. Do and they're that. like, okay, mama. <laughs> so be mindful of what's poisonous. I see on TikTok a lot of people are throwing seed bombs. Yeah. And I know that larkspur is in that, which I get. Like, I think that's so awesome. I want to do it. The concept is nice. But don't do it where livestock is because that's not fair to a rancher or farmer to lose their whole herd because no. larkspur is something that they do want to eat because it's tasty, but yeah. then they die. Right. So don't do that. Horrendous. Sunflowers. Mine are banging right now. I just let the heads die and then the birds come and eat some. And then of course some fall on the ground. Mm-hmm. And then they reseed. I have a billion out there right now. And some of them do get composted and they just don't die. They just come back. And the pigs plant them too because I'll feed sunflower heads to the pigs and they'll plant them in the pig pasture. I think that's my favorite. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Last year, I think you saw that picture of my youngest next to a sunflower. It was so huge in the pig pasture. Yep. 
So it's so beautiful. I love that time of year. And then the deer usually eat them. But Mm -hmm. still, it's like thought that counts, right? Yeah, and they're big (laughs) greenery. Yeah, we don't – our sunflowers – I mean, I'm hoping they did the same thing, but – we're a couple months behind you. Yeah, and actually for being in Wyoming, your sunflowers did really well. Fantastic. I'm so proud of you. Yeah, I can't yeah. believe that, that that I got them. But I here's going to be the problem is a lot of the cool ones that I got were hybrids. Yeah. Not all of them, but. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So they won't self-seed because they're not an heirloom. Right. Well, they'll still yeah. probably self-seed. Just who knows what I'm going to get. Yeah. yeah. But I did have a lot of Frankenstein too. sunflowers. Yeah seriously so those are some things you can try and like i said just try things and don't let anybody tell you different you're not going to hurt anything if you do it mindfully on your own property right just try it's an experiment and that's the fun part about it right and then also if you have seeds coming up somewhere you can or seedlings that you don't want them you can just move them after you identify them so yeah actually my best my best sunflowers are usually the ones that i move to a better spot really because they don't have the crowding and and stuff Mm-hmm. Yeah, because yeah, sunflowers are really bad. They'll get really leggy mm-hmm. if you are crowding them. So moving them, they just do so well. That's awesome. Don't be afraid to try it. What You're not going to lose anything. No, no. So. so hopefully that helps you guys get started in the world of lazy gardening or smart yes. gardening, whatever you want to call it. Gardening. But I know I always feel good when I bust my butt doing something that is hard, right? Getting mm-hmm. all these plants figured out and everything in the ground and knowing that I'm not going to have to do that task again. Mm-hmm. So it's just a rewarding thing. And then to watch. What I will say is there's like a general, and I always forget the exact phrase. Maybe you'll remember it with perennials. It's like first year, they just sit. The second year, they creep. And the third year, they explode yes. or something. So uh, a lot of my stuff is like in, like last year was year two and it looked just the same as year three or year one. One. So just some some of these things you do have to be a little bit patient with, but yeah, especially strawberries. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, why do I have strawberries? They're taking over my life. Mm-hmm. So it's great. It's something you learn, and it's just kind of like the path of our our lives are taking too. Like I remember childhood taking so long, and now it's going so fast. It's true. So it's the craziest it's thing, isn't it? As you get older, yeah, time goes faster. Yeah. So don't be afraid to plant some perennials or yeah. plant something that's self seeding. And just try it. It's an experiment and have fun with it. And don't let TikTok or YouTube discourage you. <laughs> yeah, don't don't take it too seriously. It'll be fine. It'll be, It'll fine. be fine. So well, that's all we have. Reach out to us on Facebook, Instagram at Milkmaid's Podcast. Milkmaid's Podcast yeah. at gmail.com. Let us know your don't favorite reach me per- on perennials. Perennials. We're having talking issues today. Don't reach me on TikTok. I spend too much time on there and I don't want to. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it's so good. No. I'm like a silent stalker on tiktok i don't yes. anticipate i just scroll <laughs> we love you thanks for coming happy milking happy milking bye bye, bye.